Yo, welcome to Simply Bitcoin Live. We're your number one source for the peaceful Bitcoin revolution. We cover breaking news, culture, matic warfare. We will be your guide through the separation of money and state. We do have that type of news today. I'm very excited to cover it. Uh, kind of cope from, you know, the, our friends over at the European Central Bank. You have Christine Lagarde literally blaming the weather for inflation. So we're going to play you that clip and we'll talk about it. And of course, we have Fabio Panetta, who's behind the Central Bank Digital Currency Initiative uh, in Europe, coming out with memetics on Twitter, uh, basically bashing uh, Bitcoin, the idea of Bitcoin, how it could never be a money, why you need you need a central bank for financial stability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine and dandy, fine. You, maybe you could maybe make the argument that uh, that central banks have done a good job in Europe, you know, but in most of the world that, that, you know, in most of the world's countries, whether it's Argentina or Turkey or Venezuela, the, those central banks in those countries, they don't have the ability to just create uh, print money without causing ridiculous inflation. So this idea that somehow central banks have done their job and that Bitcoin is not a viable alternative is just it's a bit of financial privilege and it's a it's a it's a bit of gaslighting. Right. But we're getting to the point in the movie where. I think they've ran out of excuses. Safedine's done this great job where he has this, uh, this giant thread of all these different excuses as to why inflation is a thing, blaming everything and anything but themselves, uh, which is I find absolutely hilarious. Should not come as a surprise to you um, uh, if you're a Bitcoiner. And then during the culture segment, I'm actually really, really excited because we're going to cover a very, very interesting topic. I'm going to bring up my legendary co-host, who's in HD today. <laughs> one of the only optimist fields. Hey, I got new internet finally hooked up into fiber. So hopefully Ooh. this is looking good. But yeah, man, I am uh, super excited for today's culture. We got co-founder and COO of Terra Wolf and we got linked up because they, they had some, a good news story. The other, I don't know, maybe like a month or so ago about plugging Bitcoin miners into nuclear power. And you know how that gets us excited. So we're going to go all in on Terra Wolf today. And I think you guys are going to truly enjoy today's episode. Let's get into this nuclear nuclear bitcoin nuclear bitcoin what's up nazar right. welcome to the show happy to have you thank thanks for having me and uh very happy to be here why don't you give everyone a quick quick uh elevator pitch of what is TerraWolf? sure um TerraWolf is a zero carbon uh bitcoin miner uh my partner co-founder and i founded the company in january of 2021 um, before that you know we'd been operating owning developing power plants across the world um, so at our peak we had over five gigawatts it's five thousand megawatts capacity um, so we are intimately familiar with how do you produce power where you sell power and what's the value of that power and what really got me into bitcoin was really just understanding the interplay between mining and the energy grid. Um, and that's when I started looking at Bitcoin. This is probably back in 1718. And once I understood Bitcoin, I was like, this thing, this is Bitcoin's amazing um, in and of itself. And when you really think about how power and energy integrates with the mining, it became even, you know, even more amazing just given our background. And so we started uh, kind of mining in 2019 timeframe um, just on our own. Um, and again, this whole idea that, you know, we understand how power is produced, where it's produced, what's the value of that power, and when you think about Bitcoin mining, it's all about the lowest cost of production. And so having that sophisticated, nuanced understanding of how to procure energy at a good price, not just today, but you know, tomorrow, five years from now, seven years from now, and understanding the regulatory construct in which energy and power operates in that we you know we thought was critical. And so 
when I started having discussions with people in the space, you know, I said, hey, I don't know how to mine Bitcoin, but I know power. Let me talk to people who mine Bitcoin. It became very apparent to me that um, most people had no idea what they're talking about with respect to power, you know, that were, that were mining. And so, you know, we don't think we're geniuses, but, you know, we've been doing power for 20 years and we said, hey, you know, we have a lot to add here. And when we think about Bitcoin mining, it's really energy infrastructure um, that drives Bitcoin mining. And again, the ability to deliver your hash to the network at the lowest cost possible. Um, and that's both efficiency in operations, the cost of production in terms of your cost of power, and obviously just the efficiency of your miner. And so we at Terrell, we have two sites, um, one in Epstate, New York. Um, we retired the last two coal plants in the state of New York. Um, those coal plants, um, we bought them knowing that we would preside over the retirement of those facilities. So we weren't out there saying, hey, we're gonna run coal plants for 20 years. We bought them knowing that we would retire those two facilities. Um, and we did. And at the time, you know, this is 2016, um, you know, we met with uh, the governor's office and I told them at that time, I said, listen, we know we're going to preside over the retirement of these facilities. We are going to transition these facilities. You know, we've got about 700 megawatts of interconnection capability at one site in particular. That's our upstate New York site now, um, where the grid is fully developed around moving 700 megawatts of power in and out of the site. And the easiest thing to do is actually to retire this coal plant. Uh, what's more difficult is what do you do with the site afterwards? And so at the time, I didn't know what we were going to do, but I knew that we were going to do something electrically. Right. And so that's how, again, going back to 2016, we had this idea that utilizing energy infrastructure, utilizing the grid and being able to understand how to bring loads or bring loads to sites, you know, could be beneficial to the grid. So that's one site in upstate New York. It's 110 megawatts total capacity. We just announced last week that we brought our second building online at that site. Um, we sit about 25 miles away from the Hi Niagara Hydro facility. Um, so 91% plus of the car the kilowatt hours of electricity we consume at that site come from a zero carbon energy source. Um, and we've got a plan to bring that to 100%, you know, in the next few years. Um, that site has the capability to be up to, you know, 500 megawatts over time. Wow. And so wow. we're actively working on thinking about, you know, kind of the next phases at that site. Second site that we have um, was the announcement you referred to earlier around a nuclear site. So we have 50 megawatts of operating capacity at the Susquehanna nuclear facility. Um, we think it's I think it's the largest uh, behind the meter operation for nuclear powered Bitcoin in the country. One hundred percent of the kilowatt hours of electricity um, that supplies there come from a zero carbon energy source called this nuclear power plant. And again, when you think about why we located there, it's the same thing, you know, nuclear power plant wants to have, wants to be able to run at a high level of capacity at all hours of the day, you know, where the market is today, that pricing doesn't support that. And so um, having an energy sink or this load called Bitcoin mining, you know, was valuable to that operator there. It's a two and a half gigawatt site. Um, and we've got the ability to expand another 50 megawatts uh, there as well. And so when we look at our portfolio, we've got two sites again, um, nuclear, you know, 100% zero carbon, hydro, you know, 91% plus, you know, zero carbon. Um, and again, we're doing that because having, um, you know, we think the entire grid is decarbonizing. And so we think we're ahead of the curve and in the, we're in the head of the curve in a way that we also think that we're getting the benefit of the lowest price possible in the market. And so that's kind of critical to what we do. And so we pride ourselves on being energy infrastructure operators and understanding again, kind of how the energy grid works and being able to locate the Bitcoin mining loads um, in the most efficient way. Um, and part of what I've been doing in the last couple of years, you know, is, you know, for 20 plus years, again, we were talking to regulators, utilities, um, you know, in the power space. 
is educating people about what Bitcoin mining really is, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. Um, maybe it's laziness on the part of some people not to really spend the time to understand what's going on. But, you know, when you really understand how Bitcoin mining load works, it can be very accretive to the operation of the overall grid. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to, again, demystify and educate them and saying, hey, let's just take away labels. You know, sometimes labels carry uh, a lot of weight to them. Let's just kind of take the labels aside and think about what these loads are, how they work and how when done properly, right? When done properly, how best they can kind of integrate into the grid. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, and I think we as Bitcoiners also need to be, you know, honest, you know, with others, especially those kind of on the outside and saying, you know, there's a right way to do this and there's not a right way to do this. And so I think, you know, part of the thing is, is we need to kind of highlight to people what is the right way to do it. And again, if done properly, this responsive load called Bitcoin mining, you know, I think is, you know, going to be a critical resource uh, to the overall decarbonization of the grid. 100 percent. I think. And and what's interesting is the we always make this theory of the case, right? It's like all roads lead to Bitcoin. Energy producers are inevitably going to run into Bitcoin. I don't think, and of course, you know, you have a lot more experiences are, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong in this statement, where Bitcoin miners, like they, they're this unique thing where they're able to uh, turn otherwise stranded energy or wasted energy, however, which way you want to frame it into money. Right. Um, and I don't think any other, I, I can't think of any other tool or any technology that has that capability. And because of that, I think that's what makes Bitcoin mining so attractive to energy players as a whole. I think that's why, you know, uh, you know, you have uh, energy companies like Shell, ConocoPhillips, uh, whether it's Gazprom in Russia, TEPCO in Japan, they're all looking at this and they're saying, hey, wait a second, there might be something here. Right. So and, and you know, based on what you were just saying just now, it seems like you had a very similar story. You had a background in, in energy production and then you look at Bitcoin and, you know, it's it, I feel like it's a match made in heaven. I think it's it's uh, all roads lead to Bitcoin. It's it's you know it's 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 so uh, it's so obvious in hindsight, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I think you know the the when you think about the power grid, right? Um, it's all based on system utilization, right? So you know the grid is designed. You know, there's eight thousand seven hundred sixty hours in the year, and at two a.m. on any given day, the demand in the system is fairly low, right? Most people are sleeping. There's some 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 demand. Um, by two in the afternoon, you know, demand's probably doubled from where it was at two in the morning. You know, people get up, they start going to work, you know, offices open up, schools open up. And so there's a significant gap between, you know, kind of peak demand in any given day and kind of the trough of demand. But the system is designed to meet not only just peak demand on the average day, but peak demand, the super peak demand, right? The, the 100, 200 hours a year where the demand is the highest, right? When it's 105 degrees outside and everyone's running their air conditioning. Um, and so the system is designed to meet that. So by definition, right? By definition, the most, the, the vast majority of the hours in the year, the system, the electric grid is effectively being underutilized, right? That means the transmission lines are underutilized. That means the generation sources are underutilized. And now you layer on top of that, the fact that almost all of the capacity that's being added to the grid um, is intermittent in nature, right? Whether it's a solar facility or wind facility, those operate, you know, 30, 35, you know, maybe 40% of the hours of the year. And so when they're there, they're great. It's a zero marginal cost product. But when they're not there, you know, something kind of needs to fulfill that void. And so, again, having a load that can be responsive to the changes in what's happening on the supply side um, is critical. And I tell people, you know, the way the grid operates, right, effectively, the paradigm is you know being flipped on its head. You know, if you go back 30 years ago, 
the system was designed where the supply would follow the demand. Um, and so again, like I said, 2 a.m. on any given day, demand is fairly low. Um, 2 p.m., you know, kind of ramps up over the course of the day. And so all of these thermal generators called coal plants and gas plants would kind of ramp up to meet that demand, right? You had dispatchable generation to meet that demand. What we're doing now is, is all the coal plants are going away. Um, you know, gas plants, I think, you know, over a 30-year time frame will be challenged as well. And so, and every new megawatt that's being added is intermittent in nature, right? And so now all of a sudden when the wind, sh when the sun shines and the wind blows, there's energy there. And when it doesn't, it's not there. And so having the demand side now be able to kind of follow the supply side, you know, is, you know, what we see is kind of, you know, how the energy grid is going to transition. And what's the most kind of efficient and effective responsive load that's out there? It's Bitcoin mining, right? I mean, in any, any 10 minute increment, you know exactly what your marginal cost of producing Bitcoin is, given your cost of power and the network hash rate and the price of Bitcoin. So every 10 minutes, you've got a very economically rational decision to make with respect to can you be an energy sink? And right, I, I call these Bitcoin mining loads as energy sinks. And so responsive loads, you know, Bitcoin mines as responsive loads and being properly integrated to the grid, you know, are the key to decarbonization um, as, as we know it. And, and a lot of people say, hey, you know, Bitcoin mining is, you know, not that big in the grand scheme of things, it's not that huge. Yeah, it may be. Um, but when you think about how responsive loads should work, you know, I think the Bitcoin miners are the kind of the textbook case of how those should work, right? So I think we as Bitcoin miners, as I said, you know, there's a lot of education that goes around it. So when we're talking to grid operators, right, we're educating them again around the value of responsive loads and how to kind of the grid, it's more efficient and effective for the grid to pay for that responsiveness from a demand side resource like a Bitcoin mining load versus trying to just build more stuff, right? The, the alternative to decarbonize the grid and not having responsive loads is just to build more stuff, more wind farms, more transmission lines, more solar facilities. And that costs a lot of money, takes a lot of time. And so, again, it's not just kind of the accretion that, that comes through having a responsive load and balancing the grid out uh, in times of stress, but also over the long run, you know, I think from a capital perspective, again, focusing on the demand side and focusing on the ability to integrate responsive loads into the grid will significantly decrease the total capital required to kind of decarbonize the grid as well. And so again, there's a lot, you know, I'm saying here, but you know, there's a lot that's kind of embedded within mining that just kind of goes beyond, you know, the day to day that also over the long term, I think is critical um, to where, you know, what the grid is going to get to. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's almost like another one of those situations where Bitcoin really truly does fix things. Anyways, everybody, no more delay. Let's jump straight into numbers and we'll get back to this uh, particular topic during the culture segment. Let's start the show. The Bitcoin numbers brought to you by Noddle. At this point, you should be running your own Bitcoin node. If you don't use your own Bitcoin node, you're trusting someone else's. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core, the Lightning Network, Whirlpool and Dojo, all from the comfort of your own home. And if you're a digital nomad, you have absolutely no excuse because now you can run a Noddle through a virtual private server. Visit noddle.eu today. Everybody, I want to tell you about the largest Bitcoin conference on the face of the earth. It's Bitcoin 2024. It's not going to be in Miami this year. It's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, July 25th through the 27th, 2024. And you can take advantage of the early bird ticket specials. You can get a GA ticket for $299. You can get an industry pass for $749. You can get a whale pass for $4,499. And you can take advantage of the promo code simply to get yourself a major discount to Bitcoin 2024. At the time of recording, the Bitcoin price is $30,320. Sats per dollar, $3,298. Block height, $796,028. 
reachable Bitcoin nodes, 17,096. Blocks to having 43,972. Having estimate April 21st, 2024. Total Lightning Network capacity, 5,436. Capacity value, 164 million US dollars. Realized monetary inflation, 1.76%. And the market capitalization of Bitcoin, $588 billion with a B. Anyways, I want to play you a video of Opti's ex-girlfriend, Christine Lagarde. And uh, we're getting to the point in the movie where the central bankers are blaming anything and everything but themselves for being the cause of inflation. This is not a parody. This is a real video. Let's check it out. Climate change affects inflation. And inflation is the beast that all central bankers, whether they wear a green jacket or not, want to tame and discipline. Number two, because it affects our balance sheets. Whether it's a three trillion or a seven trillion balance sheets, it is affected by climate change. Climate change affects. In That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the weather, the weather is affecting inflation and uh, the central bankers. They they want to tame the beast of inflation, even though they are the primary cause of inflation. Um, here's Saifedean, who just came on Simply Bitcoin IRL, by the way. I really recommend that episode if you guys haven't checked it out. And uh, he's this is a very long thread. I'm, I don't have time to go through every single one of these, but it's just just to kind of give you an idea that everything but money printing is the cause of inflation. So he starts off the thread by saying daily reminder that a fiat economist is someone who be who believe absolutely anything causes price rises except an increase in the money supply. Here's an article from the Financial Times, which we call the Fiat Times here at Simply Bitcoin. Does Beyonce blamed for stubbornly high Swedish inflation? Uh, that's right. Pop stars are causing inflation. Here's another example um, spotted in Warsaw, Poland, in front of the Polish Central Bank. Main cause of inflation, Russian aggression in Ukraine, the pandemic and its consequences. Here's another one from the Toronto Star. High food costs are, quote, now the new normal as labor shortages and extreme climate events continue to plague the sector. Uh, here's another one. Brit exit is to blame for inflation. Here's another one. What caused U.S. pandemic era inflation? Ben Bernanke and Oliver uh, Blanchard lay out how it started with supply side constraints and has now shifted to labor market tightness, which is having, quote, a more significant role in pushing prices up. Uh, here is an example. I can't read French, guys. I apologize. Here's another one. I know how much high inflation is hurting families and businesses across the country, but why is inflation particularly high in the in the in the UK, especially food prices? Uh, goes on to say, uh, Saifuddin says the most entertaining sport to watch over the next two years will be the mo the mental gymnastics of fiat economists explaining to you why locking people at home, banning them from work, and printing trillions of dollars are actually unrelated to price rises and economic crises. And I just want to play the video one more time by Opti's ex-girlfriend, Christine Lagarde, blaming the weather for inflation. Climate change affects inflation. And inflation is the beast that all central bankers, whether they wear a green jacket or not, want to tame and discipline. That is a, a heaping pile of dog shit. Uh, I don't believe it. Uh, and I think Saifedine, uh, you know, who's a lot more qualified than I am, uh, <laughs> lays out the case. But it's just absolutely hilarious, like the mental gymnastics, the lengths to which these people will go to uh, to blame everything but themselves, right? It, it, it's Forget about the increase in the money supply. You know, it is Beyonce. It's a pop star. This pop star, she's 100% responsible. The weather is 100% responsible. The war in Ukraine, the pandemic. But it's never mentioned about the trillions of dollars that they printed out of thin air uh, it's never talked about, you know, and uh, 
I think Bitcoiners are very highly attuned to this. To us, it's incredibly obvious, but it's our job. It's our responsibility to really wake up the rest of the world to this reality. Hey, guys, you know, it's not left versus right. It's not red versus blue. It's the party of green, the party of central bank digital currencies versus the party of orange is the party of Bitcoin, right? Party of truth. So, yeah, I, I just think it's absolutely hilarious. Nazar, what's your take on this, my my friend? After you, after you uh, watch this video, uh, does this come as a surprise to you? No, I mean, I think, um, you know, we when you know whenever people say hey what are you what are you up to these days i tell them i'm into bitcoin mining um you know it's an opportunity to kind of talk about bitcoin and kind of the value and you know i always say hey if you were to if i were to give you the balance sheet of every single country in the world and i just took away the names i took away united states or you know the uk or japan or take 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 your country um and i just kind of deleted the name of the country and i just showed you their balance sheet and showed you kind of what their cost of debt is, is um, you'd say, you know, all of these companies, I said, I told you there's companies, right? You'd say all of them are effectively bankrupt, right? There's no way they're ever going to repay their debt. Um, and and governments now have kind of accepted that they're never repaying the debt, right? It's all about what is the right debt load, right? The idea that they can infinitely kind of run um, and they'll be able to, again, just kind of meet that current obligation, but never repay the debt. Um, is a big shift, right? A big shift in how these countries are considered. And so when you really push people on that and say, hey, just just again, let's let's all agree these are just numbers that no government's ever going to repay their debt. What do you think that means? Um, and again, they can kind of go off into different directions. But for us Bitcoiners, right? I mean, Bitcoin is the solution around that, right? I mean, that is the way that kind of balances things out. And so it um, doesn't come as a surprise, but I think, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to be said over the next 20, 30, 40 years, you know, as that truth becomes more and more uh, kind of closer to reality. Right. I mean, again, no government, you know, no government today that exists is ever going to repay, you know, kind of their debts. A hundred percent. And Opti, how do you feel that you're responsible for this? Uh, you know, this lying <laughs> out of Christine Lagarde. You did date her. You did date a central banker. You broke her heart. And then as revenge, she decided to release the central bank digital currencies. How do you feel being responsible for this? <laughs> well, I'm not taking any personal responsibility for this. Chrissy has completely lost the plot. Uh, my response is, bro, what? Like, I can't believe this is real. The weather affects inflation. This is it's absolutely insane. And we talk about it all the time, whether we have Shafedin on, whether it's just you and I, Nico, or whether the way that uh, Nazar just pointed it out, like the problem of inflation is very simple. Uh, they have expanded the monetary supply, like it, 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 AKA printing more money. Like this is this is the, the bare bones simplicity of the situation. And the excuses are getting insane at this point. Like it's everything but money printer go burr. Like it, it's so simple once you really understand uh, the mechanics of what is going on here. But I think the real signal here, Nico, is the fact that they wouldn't be saying this if they didn't think they could get away with this, that they didn't think that the average person didn't understand how inflation works. So, you know. They wouldn't have said that if they didn't think it had a chance of, of passing off as truth. Uh, so on the one hand, it makes me very optimistic that, look, uh, we know what the problem is and we just need to spread that signal as much as possible. And on the other hand, it's just like, man, we have such an uphill battle because the average person doesn't understand how economics works, doesn't ha understand how the monetary system works. 
and there's a lot of green grass out there to teach people, but you know, it's very difficult to get people to even care about economics, even though their whole lives revolves around it. And this is why they're getting poorer. And this is why we just constantly beat on that meme of money printer go burr. It's the reason that things are going, getting more expensive is because they are expanding the money supply. And it's very simple. But, you know, once you once you finally unplug, it's, it's hard not to unsee it. But when you're in it, it's like safety and set on the IRL. You know, you're like fish in muddy water and you can't tell what is going on, what's up from down. And this is where everyone is right now. They don't understand how money works. They don't understand how the economy works. And this is by design. A hundred percent. It's it's literally by design. But this is one of those things uh, that Bitcoin also fixes. But it is an educational thing. And, you know, it really falls down to us individuals to really get the message out there. Just want to read a quick comment from one of our audience members. Bitcoin for Canadian says it's all Opti's fault. He broke her heart and now she's. <laughs> oh, man. All right, everybody. No more delay. Let's jump straight into the news. We got a lot to talk about. Let's check it out. The Daily News. The Daily News is brought to you by Blockstream Jade, built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. It's an open source hardware wallet for the cold storage of Bitcoin. Check out the brand new limited edition color, the transparent green jade. Blockstream Jade houses a full color camera, allowing for fully air gap Bitcoin transactions, scan and display QR codes directly on the device, assign transactions and verify addresses with ease. Use your Blockstream Jade with your favorite wallet software, such as Blockstream Green, Blue Wallet, Electrum, Sparrow. Get yourself a Blockstream Jade today and take self-custody of your Bitcoin. All right, everybody, I also want to give a shout out to the Orange Pill app. They're building the social layer for Bitcoin. As crazy as this sounds, without the people, Bitcoin is just ones and zeros. Bitcoin is the people. Bitcoin is you. It's me. It's Opti. It's Satoshi. Download the Orange Pill app for iOS or Android and connect with other Bitcoiners in real life today. Find other Bitcoiners that live near you, and you can even go into the app totally anon and search for other Bitcoiners by common interest. Orange Pill app is also the world's biggest repository for Bitcoin-only events. If you want to meet other Bitcoiners in real life, this is the app for you. You sign up through the app store and you can even pay in sats. And of course, Opti and I appreciate all the messages and we try to get to each and every one of them. Anyways, the breaking news for today seems like Apple is continuing to protect their moat. This is Domus. It is a, a way to interact with the Noster protocol from the iPhone. And uh, basically, we've been covering this for the past week or so. Apple reached out to Damas and they said, hey, you have to remove the lightning, the, the zap feature from the app. The zap feature is basically a way to tip people uh, using lightning. Uh, with Bitcoin, right? So they don't want people. Uh, they don't want. Uh, they don't want people to be able to do that. And look, as a content creator, I could show you. I post basically each one of our episodes um, on, you know, on on my own profile on Domus. And um, I used to I used to get tips from people that appreciated my proof of work, and they would tip me directly. And you know, sometimes it'd be a thousand sats, sometimes it'd be two thousand sats, and it would help us you know, pay the bills and keep making more content for you guys. Um, and that has been ripped away from me as a content creator. So Apple is hurting content creators. Like this is, this is ridiculous. And what is the reasoning for this? Well, the reasoning for this is obvious. They have their own payment platform, uh, which is Apple pay, uh, and Apple pay is an intermediary, right? So it's prone to censorship. Um, it's also prone to an exorbitant amount of fees, right? The, you know, the awesome part about peer-to-peer -peer is that people are zapping me directly for my content. 
uh, Domus isn't taking a cut of those zaps, right? So anyways, it goes on to say, um, this is the tweet this morning. They said, looks like we're getting removed from the app store even after updating our app to make it clear that no digital content is getting unlocked when users are tipped. Users are only ever tipped after posts are made. The idea that content is being sold is nonsense. We will be filing an appeal as this guideline is clearly being abused and misapplied. And Apple has a history of, you know, being anti-Bitcoin back in 2014. They banned Bitcoin wallets from the from the store. And here's the thing, because Apple's a closed garden, right? You, you can't download apps that are outside of the app store. So you have to go through this approval process, which makes it this like single point of failure, right? It's, it's this weak point that Apple will exploit to protect their moat. I actually anticipated this back in October of 2022. I said that governments were going to use this uh, this weak point, um, but I was wrong. It wasn't governments. It was it was a it was a corporation that ended up using this weak point. Um, now, if you know you are using a desktop Bitcoin wallet app, I think you're immune. I think this could potentially be used by government to say, hey, you can only uh, allow Bitcoin wallets that KYC. Uh, you can only allow those types of wallets to be downloaded from the App Store. Um, and stuff like that. So I suspect this single point of, of this this week this weak point that doesn't affect Android because Android apparently you could download apps that are not uh, that are outside of the App Store of the uh, of the Android equivalent App Store. So it's very interesting. Uh, but again, you know, as a content creator, I actually feel this. This actually hurts me um, because I used to get I used to get zaps, and that's what we would use to fund ourselves on on Simply Bitcoin. So. You know, this is uh, this is some some BS, uh, to, to, to put it nicely. On the other side, uh, before I get uh, Opti and Nazar's thoughts, on the Mematic Warfare front, the European Central Bank uh, goes on to say they came out with another press release. By the way, this is Fabio Panetta, and Fabio Panetta is behind the Central Bank Digital Currency Initiative um, behind the European Central Bank. And, uh, you know, they're, they're playing both sides, right? This is a press release in uh, January, 20, uh, January 23rd, 2023, also by Fabio Panetta. And I think the, the, the language is scary here, right? Which is the digital euro, our money, whenever, whenever we need it, um, versus my money, whenever, whenever I need it. It's, it says we, an hour, uh, which is interesting, interesting uh, vocabulary choice. But anyways, here's the article that I really wanted to focus on. This was released on the 23rd of June, so about three days ago. And the name is actually a speech. It says, Paradise Lost, uh, how crypto failed to deliver on its promises and what to do about it. And it kind of goes through uh, a bunch of reasonings. Obviously, the article is very long, so I'm only going only gonna to be able to read some of them. Uh, one of the reasons is instability. So another key limitation of unbacked cryptos is their instability. Unbacked cryptos lack intrinsic value and have no backing reserves or price stabilization mechanisms. This makes them inherently highly volatile and unsuitable as a means of payment. Bitcoin, for instance, exhibits volatility levels up to four times higher than stocks or gold. Now, there's a bit of financial privilege in that, number one. Number two, um, sorry, European Central Bank, you don't get to decide what has intrinsic value or not. The free market does, and the free market is telling me that Bitcoin is currently worth $30,240. If you're in Turkey or in Argentina, Bitcoin has already made an all-time high in those countries. Um, and then that leads me to the other point, which is um, that Bitcoin, perhaps in Europe, 
where countries have the financial privilege of having relatively stable fiat currencies that the inflation rate isn't so crazy, uh, you can make this argument. But if you're in Argentina, this, Arge this, this argument doesn't hold its weight. And keep in mind that they're playing both sides because organizations like the IMF, part of the, the, the debt deal that they offered Argentina came with the conditions that the, the government of Argentina had to de-incentivize the adoption of Bitcoin in the country, right? So if they really didn't believe this thing didn't have intrinsic value, if they didn't really believe that this thing didn't have, you know, any type of utility, why are they giving Argentina those types of deals? So they're playing both sides here. Right. And again, like I'm a big believer in incentives. Obviously, this guy's the main push behind central bank digital currencies. And what is Bitcoin, but not a competition to central bank digital currencies? I would even make the argument that central bank digital currencies were born out of necessity because I think writing, uh, I think governments and central banks saw the writing on the wall and they saw that, hey, people would if they had an, if they had the ability or the option to choose an alternative, they would. Um, so it goes on to say. It gives a bunch of other reasons, right? Uh, risk from growing centralization of the crypto ecosystem, the reemergence of classic financial sector shortcomings and vulnerabilities. Um, it goes on to say that you know th that they shouldn't, uh, they should isolate the industry from the traditional financial system. So again, it's not like let the free market decide what people want to choose as their money. No, it's the central bank stepping in and saying this isn't money. Um, we have the authority to decide what is money, um, and you should listen to us. But these are the same people that are also telling you that weather is the cause of inflation, right? So I, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is some BS. Um, it goes on to say the public response, backing, regulating, innovating, not giving into to the temptation to offer uh, public backing to cryptos. First, the temptation to offer, offer public backing to cryptos must be resisted. The idea of permitting stablecoin issuers as non-bank financial institutions to hold their reserves as central banks might seem appealing, but could lead to serious adverse consequences. By granting stablecoins access to the central bank's balance sheet, we would effectively outsource the provision of central bank money. And I think that's a key word there right um is outsource the provision so this i think in in my opinion this is about this is truly about keeping power and control and i think this last uh paragraph really summarizes that nicely it goes on to say this would compromise monetary st uh, sovereignty financial stability keyword there what about the financial stability in venezuela what about the financial stability in turkey what about the financial stability in argentina those are never talked about right um, the smooth operation of the payment system, for example, a stablecoin could displace sovereign money by using the large customer network of a big tech with far reaching implications. Therefore, central banks should exercise prudence and retain control over their balance sheet and the money supply. Um, but they've done an, an absolutely terrible job of doing that. And then they go on to talk about regulation. But it's interesting because in the regulation paragraph, they talk about regulation as if uh, it, it's like, yes, we must regulate. But what they really hinted to is we must regulate to get this thing out of existence, which is actually leads me to um, a thought. And, and I'm curious, Nazar, because this affects your living and your company, uh, which is the proposed uh, Dame tax that was, you know, introduced by the Biden administration that would tax Bitcoin miners in the United States 30 percent on top of what they were already making. Of course, we know how the Biden administration feels about the industry. The way that I interpreted that was they're trying to kill the industry in the United States. That's what they were trying to do, right? To put it bluntly. Of course, we know that that has been stopped. Um, but, you know, uh, it's just interesting to see 
the established players uh, kind of being a little bit hypocritical here, right? They're saying, look, uh, this is about financial stability. This is about protecting the people. This is about, you know, this is the, the, these currencies are too volatile, but they're picking and choosing their arguments because that, that only applies to places like Europe. That only applies, applies to places like the United States. But even then, I think what the all-time high for inflation in the U.S. was like, it was like 10%. It was like about a year or so, a year ago or so. So again, like it, it, it's it, it, moving the goalpost, bunch of BS, talk about misaligned incentives. The person who's responsible for pushing, pushing CBDCs in Europe is also the person who's writing out these very well-written blog posts, basically making a, the case against anything that's not central bank money. Um, but you know what that tells me? That we're winning because they wouldn't be writing these things if we weren't winning. And I'm telling you right now, they're scared and their only excuse is the weather. The weather is what is the sole cause of inflation. It's nothing else. Don't pay attention to what we're doing behind the curtain. Since CBDCs are the future, they're the answer to all your problems. But I think incentives are going to win the day. Anyways, I want to get Opti's take. Or I want to get Nazar's take because I do have to leave in about seven minutes. Opti's going to take over the show. But I'm going to get Nazar's take real quick and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll push it on to Opti. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, as you said, that we are winning because, you know, for energy, if you think about it, right, there's over 1,200 uh, gigawatts of installed capacity in the United States from a power perspective, 1,200. You know, the best estimates on what the Bitcoin mining load is in the country is somewhere around, you know, five to eight gigawatts, right? So five to eight over 1,200 is a very small percentage, right? So in some sense, all of the noise and the talk you hear on Bitcoin mining and energy usage is a lot of noise, right? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a significant user. And so to your point, there is this, I think, you know, we are punching well above our weight in terms of how we're thought about, right? So I think it's it's good news that, you know, every little thing that's on the industry is discussed, is magnified, everyone kind of looks at it. So, so again, from an energy perspective, we're, you know, an overall relatively small, portion. But if you were to read the news, we'd think that, you know, we're about to like run over the country with just kind of Bitcoin mines. And that's nowhere near the case. Um, and so well, the Dame tax is just another example, right? I mean, again, in the grand scheme of things, the total energy usage that Bitcoin mining is doing in the United States is, you know, very small percentage, you know, and again, the Dame tax, you know, was a way, you know, again, that's just a political kind of a thing to kind of put out there. We're the punching bag. It's good to kind of throw it out at us. And right now, and I think, you know, they get the benefit of, you know, there's not much downside to it. Um, but day by day, week by week, month by month, that tide is really starting to turn, right? As people better understand what Bitcoin is, as people better start to understand how these these grids work, you know, I think that that tide is turning. And so I think, you know, the work you all are doing is great because we're just, we're just going to stay at it, right? We're always going to stay at it. They can kind of throw these things at us. And when people really start to break it down and really start to understand what they're trying to do, it becomes pretty clear that, to your point, there's not a cohesive and coherent line of thinking around it. It's just kind of, you know, what's kind of sounds good today. Let's try it out. Um, but again, you know, we're punching well above our weight and we're getting, you know, in some sense, we're getting more attention than we should be given where we are. But again, that's because, you know, fundamental to Bitcoin, you know, there's kind of, I, I would say, kind of a real um asset here kind of a real tool for the people that's kind of hanging out there and so um you know we're gonna have to kind of take our lumps but i, I don't think it's gonna really stop anything and, and again i always come back to energy because that's what i know i mean you know when you look at it on a percentage basis it's small but when you look at it kind of an impact basis it could be huge
A hundred percent. And I, I, I love the way that you approached it from, from, you know, your angle, the, 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 the position of energy. And it, we, we, we've said this on the show many times, right? If you control energy, you control people. And I think fundamentally, whether it's the Dame tax or whether it's these excuses by the European Central Bank or the IMF, right? Um, I think that they get a tremendous amount of power from being able to control the money supply. Um, and in, you know, and secondary effect of that is, is being able to control people because of that. And then all of a sudden Bitcoin comes along and it's this decentralized alternative of which no one controls, right? It actually, it protects the lower middle classes, um, tremendously. I think it's middle-class money. Um, and you know, the, the, central planners can't have that. They're like, no, we could do it better. But in, you know, you say, okay, maybe you give them the benefit of the doubt, but history has shown that they have continued to abuse that power and then worse off, they take absolutely no responsibility. They they would rather blame the weather and they would rather blame popular pop stars than say, hey guys, we caused this. We printed the money and because we printed the money, it, it devalued everyone else's money, right? Um, anyways, Opti, what's your take? Yeah, so circling back a little bit, you know, as an Apple user, I'm a little bit conflicted about the Domus uh, news, but because uh, I love Apple products, I think they're great. So, like, guys, tell me in the chat, like, what do I use now? Um, but I think it's very interesting that we are seeing Apple fight Domus or, you know, Bitcoin uh, being proliferated in different apps because we've been hearing the talk coming from Elon that he wants an everything app. But I think Apple is probably closer to rolling out an everything app than anyone else's. And so obviously Apple is doing its best to protect its position with Apple Pay and the Apple Pay payments platform. So it's sad to see Apple go down this rat route. Well, sorry, this route. <laughs> but uh, this is the free market at work, right? Like Apple is a, a private corporation. They can do whatever they want on their platforms. And hey, if they're making a bad business decision, Bitcoin entrepreneurs will route around it and they will get wrecked in the long run. So this is the corporatocracy playing out. This is the free market playing out. And, um, you know, it, it just it is what it is. And then also on the Fabio Panetta news, man, the cabal is so scared. The fiat cabal out there, the fiat matrix is absolutely terrified. And what year is it like the Fabio Panetta talking points? Uh, its arguments are not only half baked, but they've been debunked in like 2017. So it's just funny that they still roll out the same narratives over and over and over again. And I, it's something I say all the time that the only reason they will use these narratives and continue to use these narratives if they are working. So obviously people are still falling for them. And as a Bitcoiner, as a Bitcoin educator, as a Bitcoin, uh, I know Nico hates when I say this, but Bitcoin propagandists, we need to do better spreading the signal and educating our friends and winning the hearts and minds of the masses. Because again, they wouldn't be saying this stuff over and over and over again if it wasn't working, if it wasn't gaining traction. Action if they weren't in control of the propaganda machines out there, the corporate press. So it just shows that there is a lot of room for us to grow, but also it's it's an uphill battle. And it's kind of like uh, what Nazar was saying, you know, that there is a lot of education to be done and we just have to continue to beat the drum and continue Amen. to spread that signal. 
Amen to that. All right, guys, before we get into the culture, you want to make it over the finish line with your generational wealth. That's why you want to store your Bitcoin wallet, backup seed words and passphrases. You want to store them on steel. And there's no better place to do it than the BitPlates Domino. They're designed to preserve Bitcoin wallet, backup seed words and passphrases made from highly corrosion resistant 316 marine grade stainless steel. It offers the ultimate protection against extremes of temperatures. You can use the promo code simply to get 10% off anything on bitplates.com. Anyways, everybody, Opti, it's your show. I'll see you guys tomorrow. The Daily Culture. Brought to you by swanbitcoin.com. Swan is the best way to build your Bitcoin stack with automated Bitcoin savings plans and instant purchases, serving clients of any size from $10 to $10 million. We love Swan because they incentivize self-custody and dollar cost averaging. What are you waiting for? Visit swanbitcoin.com today. All right, guys. So before we get into this, um, of course... Let me uh, bring up my screen real quick. Um, Nazar, uh, I'm super excited to, to have you on the show today because one of my friends, close friends, I was actually hanging out with him this weekend. Uh, he's very big on the idea that Bitcoin's real killer app is what it does for energy. And he's been beating this drum for a long time. And I think you... Uh, and your company is a shining example of what is coming down the pipeline and where Bitcoin is really going to change the world. And it's not just for the individual saving, but it's about what Bitcoin miners will do for the energy grid. But there's something you said in the beginning of the show that I thought was very interesting. And, and I'd like to maybe unpack this a little bit. But you said something that the biggest uh, issue you're seeing in regards to not only the Bitcoin space, but but the world at large is the misconceptions about energy. So what were you talking about there? And then we'll go into and talk about more of the terrible facilities and stuff. Yeah, there's just the misunderstanding, right? When people just talk about energy usage, right? Energy usage um, has to be kind of understood in the context of what is the the capacity of the market and then what is that incremental megawatt hour doing and when is it showing up? Right. If I just tell you I want to consume, you know, four megawatts, you know, um, am I consuming that all hours of the day? Am I consuming it half of the time? Am I consuming 80 percent of the time? And the implications and ramifications of that are all very different, just depending upon what the answer is. Right. And so people always just talk about in generality is just like adding load is bad um, and adding load can be bad. But adding the proper load can actually be very beneficial to the grid. And so, again, there's again, and that's why there's a, there, you know, a concept I think that is always kind of overlooked and misunderstood is system utilization, right? The energy grid is a massive um, grid that has a ton of fixed costs in it, right? It, 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 you, well, transmission lines, all upfront fixed cost. Wind farm, all upfront fixed cost. Solar facility, all upfront fixed cost, right? So all of these things that have high upfront fixed costs, mean that system utilization is critical to what the overall economics of the system are. And so when you talk about adding loads, it's not just how big the load is, but how big is that load in the context of where it's being put in? And when is that load actually going to use energy? And what ability does it have to not use energy, right? You need to answer all of those questions before you can kind of figure out whether that's good or bad for the system. Absolutely love it. And you touched on something else that we'll probably be talking about a lot today. It's the idea of balancing the grid and how Bitcoin miners are an asset to the energy grid. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on this and maybe uh, try to dispel all of the energy FUD that we get as Bitcoiners? Yeah, I mean, again, this it's this concept of responsive load, right? Um, again, a load that can be there 
um, to to take the energy that's coming off of the grid um, and then can immediately when the system is most stressed, just not be there is critical to kind of the decarbonization. Um, and so, again, it's this, this balancer between the system capacity that exists as well as kind of those gaps in that system capacity. And so, again, um, you know, people ask me like, hey, what's a good place to mine Bitcoin? Is it, you know, is it New York? Is it Pennsylvania? Is it Texas? Is it Finland? Is it, you know, Chile? Um, and the answer to that is, is all really depends on not just where you are, but the very node that you operate in. Um, there's nodes in New York that are horrible, right? I mean, in New York City, um, there's a ton of demand, not much generation. And so you'd never put a Bitcoin mining load in the city of New York. Would you put a Bitcoin mining load in upstate New York? Absolutely. I mean, that's where we sit. Um, where we sit, you know, there's a significant oversupply of energy and not enough transmission to move that energy out. So there, you know, putting a load in, whether it's 200 megawatts, 400 megawatts, 100 megawatts is, you know, well within kind of what that node can do. Texas is no different. There are nodes in Texas that are great and there's nodes in Texas that are challenged. And so, again, you need to look at this kind of very granularly. And again, if you can put these loads, these energy sinks into places where there's a lot of supply, um, not much demand, transmissions limited. And on top of that, that you can curtail your loads when the system is most stressed. Again, for a grid planner and a grid optimizer, I mean, that's kind of the holy grail. And so, uh, again, it's all about how these loads are integrated into the grid. And, you know, early on, right, we had um, smaller Bitcoin operations, right? Most of, I would say, you know, all the public companies out there were all institutional grade. We're buying from the wholesale market. But, you know, we're still living with the legacies of some of the decisions that were made by kind of smaller Bitcoin miners in 2017, 2018. They showed up in towns. Um, they weren't buying wholesale. They were buying through the town. Um, and their loads quickly grew from 2 megawatts to 5 megawatts to 10 megawatts. And all they cared about was just kind of mining as much as they could. And they wanted power all hours of the day. Um, and so for those cities that were supplying them, um, that load became a burden. Right. Those loads were not properly integrated into the system and integrated into how the city was procuring its power. Um, and so, unfortunately, that's not how Bitcoin mining institutionally happens today. But we're still living with the legacy of kind of, you know, answering kind of, you know, um, the issues that arose uh, when, when that happened back then. So, again, properly integrated loads, properly set into kind of supply demand balance and properly uh, responsive to the changes in the grid. That's what Bitcoin mining needs to do. And when done so, um, it really kind of does, you know, have a beneficial impact on the overall cost of power and the balance of the system. Amazing. All right. So next topic, uh, you guys have a very big emph uh, emphasis on sustainability and zero carbon energy. And you guys are showing that it isn't only good for the planet, but it economically makes sense as a Bitcoin miner. So you want to touch on this and uh, explain to the people out there why you guys do what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's happened, right? Just let's, let's take a let's take a look at kind of the generation of power. Um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, right, the, the assets that were being added to the grid were, you know, called three big buckets, um, were coal-fired power plants, gas-fired power plants, um, and some nukes. Um, when you think about a coal and a gas-fired power plant, they need to buy coal and gas to generate electricity, right? So there's kind of a, a meaningful marginal production cost that always is there, right? It's whatever the cost of coal and gas is at that point in time. Um, and so there's a capex, and then you have this ongoing kind of cost. Uh, what's been you know fascinating about the renewable sector right particularly wind and, and solar is is that the overall capital cost to build those facilities has come down extremely significantly right if you were to pick up a report from you know the early 90s that projected how much renewable capacity would be online they were significantly underestimated what actually happened 
And the reason for that is, is they underestimated how low the kind of the capital cost could go. And once that facility is installed, if you think about it, there's a zero margin production cost, right? When the sun shines, it works. When the wind blows, it works. And there's no kind of cost of this fuel of kind of coal and gas. And so part of the reason you're seeing this transition with respect to renewables is, is that there's this concerted effort to decarbonize. But in addition to that, what's accelerating that is the fact that from a capital perspective, it's actually pretty cheap now. And so that is true so long as you can kind of balance the load out, right? So the, 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 dollar per kilowatt hour cost of production from wind and solar, right, has gotten to be competitive, if not even better than what a thermal generator can be. And so, again, from a pure kind of dollars and cents basis, given where CapEx has gone, um, you know, it makes sense to add renewable capacity to the system. And so, you know, despite um, people kind of taking an ideological position of, you know, renewables or not, again, just from a pure economics perspective, we have gotten to a place where those renewable megawatt hours are cheaper. Um, and again, that is only true. That's only true if you have the ability to use the demand side to kind of balance things out, right? Because when the sun stops shining and the wind isn't blowing and the system is stressed, what's going to happen? And if you have to then rely on thermal generators to ramp up, um, they're inefficient because they're ramping up and that's kind of, you know, um, and then B, you got to pay a lot just to kind of keep them around. So far more effective is having a load that can kind of be responsive to those changes in supply. And so when you marry responsive loads um, with kind of renewable generation, the overall economic cost is far lower than kind of, you know, where we were 30 to 40 years ago. So I think, you know, as people, again, if you just pure math start to look at it, um, again, this, this, this concept of high, you know, CapEx on the front end with zero marginal production cost for the supply side married and paired with loads that are extremely responsive to any changes of in any changes in the supply side are by far and away the kind of the cheapest way for the system to operate and for everyone to kind of consume electricity. And so that's why, you know, we think, you know, we think it's the right thing to do. We think it makes sense economically. And again, from a, from a sustainability perspective, both for, you know, just, you know, our business, right. In terms of being able to procure the lowest cost, as well as kind of sustainability overall, you know, we think, you know, we're kind of leading the charge and again, leading the charge in both how Bitcoin mining should be done and also educating folks on, you know, kind of how sustainability should actually be thought of. I love I love, I love the sober uh, sober takes, but and disconnecting it from just the ideology. I love it. Just pure math. It works better and it's more economical. OK, let's uh, let's jump in a little more Terra Wolf focus. So maybe you want to give us uh, the history of Terra Wolf. You kind of touched on it earlier, but also uh, the reason we even got in touch in the first place was because of your nuclear mining facility. So we can touch on all that and I'll put some of these uh, screenshots up here for the people out there. Sure, sure. Um, as I said, you know, we in the power space for 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 quite some time um you know our our first foray um you know um in kind of uh the spring of 2020 COVID had just hit um and you know i met a gentleman by the name of merrick akamoto who at the time was kind of the chairman and ceo of a company called marathon um merrick had a vision to make marathon the largest biggest baddest miner bitcoin miner in the world um, at the time, he was a single and sole employee of the company. Um, and, you know, we basically built uh, 3x ash of capacity for Merrick. Um, and at the time, you know, once I understood how Bitcoin mining worked, I said, I don't want to be a host. If I'm going to participate, I want to play in the game. And so, again, what we did with Marathon was we gave them kind of everything at cost. Right. I think we were one of, you know, Marathon at the time was probably the first public company to clearly in an SEC filing tell, tell people what the cost of energy was. Right. 
2.8 cents. It was a low cost of energy. And, and we took back equity in the company um, in exchange for that, right? So we gave everything to Marathon at cost. We took back equity in the company. Um, and, you know, timing was great. We we did that deal, signed that deal in October of 2020. By, you know, January of 2021, you know, Marathon, you know, went from a, a buck, two bucks to, you know, 20 bucks. And, you know, and that was just a pit stop on, on much higher. And so as we looked at our portfolio, we realized that, you know, hey, we'd built the facility, we'd procured all the equipment, we operated the facility. And so we didn't have a vehicle that could raise capital. And so if we could add the vehicle that could raise capital, you know, we could do something similar. And so that's where in January of 21, um, we took, you know, some other sites that we had and, and, and formed Terrawolf. Um, and so, again, we had two great sites, you know, one in upstate New York, 25 miles away from the Niagara Hydro facility. And the second that you just noted was, you know, this, this facility um, on the grounds of Susquehanna nuclear plant. Um, and again, we had a longstanding relationship with the team, the management team um, at Talon, who's, who's our partner there. And we were able to kind of, again, demystify and educate them around how Bitcoin mining really worked. And once they really understood it, you know, they were quick to say, hey, you know, this is something that we need at our site and we'd love to kind of partner and work with you in bringing, being able to scale this up. You know, Susquehanna is a two and a half gigawatt site, right? 2.5, 2,500 megawatts of total capacity. And so the total, you know, initial phase that we've built here is about 200 megawatts capacity, 50 megawatts we own, uh, 150 megawatts are owned by our partner Talon. Um, and we each have the ability to add another 50 megawatts. So over time, that load could get up to 300 megawatts of total capacity. And so, again, as you think about the operational profile of that nuclear facility, having that energy sink to be able to, again, just sink 200 to 300 megawatts on any hour of any given day is extremely valuable. So they can kind of continue to run the nuclear plant at kind of a fixed base load, base load capacity. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, again, we were early on in that. I think we're probably the largest deployment behind the meter. Um, and again, a lot of that comes from our ability to to engage with and speak with kind of generation owners. You know, a lot of people ask me, hey, do you expect a lot more uh, mining to kind of happen at nuclear facilities? Um, in principle, for sure. I mean, in principle, this, again, is a perfect kind of marriage of having a fixed load on site um, that can kind of, you know, consume energy at any given point. And when and when the system is most stressed, kind of kind of come off. But, you know, when you talk to kind of a, a power generator, a utility operator or even kind of a nuclear plant power you know, operator, um, you know, concept of time is very different. Right. Bitcoin miners, you know, we got to have it coming up. We think about weeks and months and you know, we want to get stuff done. Um, you know, for a nuclear operator, they think about, you know, their planning cycles are 5, 10, 15 years. You know, they're planning out their outages five years from now today. Um, so there's just a mismatch between kind of how people think about time and, and you know, we're not on the same wavelength. And so that so it does take some work to be able to bridge that. And again, and be able to understand how they're thinking about it and then be able to translate that and kind of put that in terms of what the Bitcoin mining loads can do and how they're going to interact with that. So I think, you know. In principle, it should happen more, but in practice, right? I just think, you know, Bitcoin miners that don't come from that energy background, don't come from having that kind of language and understanding kind of that perspective, they struggle with kind of bridging that gap. And so that's, you know, we think that's an advantage for us, but, but you know, I think that's going to take some time for that that bridge to kind of be, um, for that bridge to occur in, in, in that language being spoken. Absolutely, Absolutely bullish. I uh, this is incredible. But I have one more question before I roll this one out. What do you think is the biggest misconceptions to bridge the gap between energy yeah, operators think, and Bitcoin I miners? I think it's that they think they're here for the short term, and if the price of Bitcoin goes down, you know those Bitcoin miners are going to run. Um, and I always tell people, I say, hey, it's not the price of Bitcoin really doesn't matter. 
Uh, I mean, whether it's five grand or 50 grand or 500 grand, the price of Bitcoin is just a data point, right? It's all about what are the, the margin that you're making in mining, right? So you need to know the price of Bitcoin, your cost of energy, the network cash rate, right? So all of those three factors you need to kind of put together. Um, and, and again, the power business, right? Effectively, you're a converter, right? You're, when you generate a kilowatt hour of electricity, you're converting either, you know, a ton of coal and an MMBTU of gas, you know, the sun or the wind, right? You're converting that into a kilowatt hour of electricity. And that conversion game is the same. It's all about what's the spread between your input cost and then kind of what, what you know, that kilowatt hour of electricity that can be sold on the market. So it's a conversion spread. Bitcoin mining is no different. It's a conversion spread, right? What's the cost of power? What's the price of Bitcoin? What's the network cash rate? And so long as in that conversion, you're economic, you know, again, the price of Bitcoin in some sense doesn't really matter. And so once a power plant operator understands that, and once you can kind of show them that, hey, if you look at, you know, there's whatever, we hit a peak of, you know, 400 exahash, right? If you look at kind of what's the distribution of that efficiency of 400 exahash, and you can show that you're in that top 10, 5, 10, 15%, you're always going to run, right? Whether the price of Bitcoin is five grand or 50 grand or 500 grand, if you are, again, got efficient miners and low cost of power, you're going to run. So you're going to make money. And so I think, again, dispelling that notion that, you know, the price of Bitcoin drops, you're going to run for the hills. That's absolutely not true, particularly for someone like us, again, who's got a very efficient fleet of miners, got a, has a low cost of power. Um, we're here, we're, we're building infrastructure and we're building our facilities out as if we're going to be there for 20 years. And, and if you look at our facility in, in Pennsylvania and in New York, those facilities are built to run 20 to 30 years, right? We're not going anywhere because we know that on every 10 minute block reward, we're going to be competitive given kind of, you know, our, our cost of production. Absolutely, Absolutely love it. Absolutely bullish, not only on TerraWolf, but in Bitcoin miners in general. I think few people understand that, hey, as stupidly bullish as us individuals are in regards to Bitcoin and the future, Bitcoin miners are even more bullish because they have to think in the long term and they aren't going anywhere. So, man... Nazar, absolutely love it. If you wanna, if you wanna have another uh, couple minutes to yeah, yeah. one last message, go for sure. it. No, I mean, I think again, it's it's all about Bitcoin mining. Is this fascinating thing, right? And when you think about just what's fascinating about Bitcoin, it's decentralization. It can kind of show up anywhere in the world. Bitcoin mining is kind of you know that to a I'd say even even higher degree, right? Because it's all about profitability and the ability to kind of make Bitcoin. Um, and again, the U.S. is you know a obviously a large producer today, um, but it's happening all over the world, right? And as a Bitcoin miner, you know, I continue to see that happening, right? You know, at different points in time, at different points in the day, at different times of the year, the, 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 a bit, excuse me, the availability of energy changes. And so again, the, the Bitcoin mining network, again, is this fascinating thing that I think kind of balances out and is going to just kind of continue to grow. Um, and again, we as Bitcoin miners are always thinking about optimization. Um, and so that's where I think, you know, People talk about, you know, will the network kind of get too big? Will the network kind of um, over consume energy? I think none of that's going to happen because, again, every single one of us has to think every day, every week about how our loads are, are operating, how they're being integrated. Um, and when we start to do that, you know, this this concept of a decentralized, you know, rock solid um, asset, you know, we think, you know, is 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 um, is going to take hold. And again, without the Bitcoin mining network, there is no Bitcoin. And so therefore, you know, effectively, you know, we're underwriting this, this, you know, global commodity called Bitcoin that we think, you know, it's going to have immense value as we go on. 
Wow. Well, you know, sometimes the show gets dark when we cover all of the corporate press, but I think by the end of today's show, everyone is going to be stupidly bullish on Bitcoin like they should be. All right, guys, let's get into the meme review, your favorite portion of the show. The Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Kaboomracks. I get this question all the time. Nico, where should I buy Bitcoin miners? The answer is Kaboomracks. It's the best place to buy Bitcoin miners. That's where you're going to find the best deals and the best prices. Start your mining utopia today. To check out their racks, you got to go to t.me slash Kaboomracks. Join their Telegram group and start your mining journey today. Kaboomracks. Kaboom racks. All right, guys, you already know the deal. You watch the whole show just to get to the meme review. I know how you guys works. Tweets are the bullets, memes are the artillery. Keep tagging me on Twitter at Simply Bitcoin TV for the memes, and I will get to as many as possible. Drop the memes in our Telegram group, and again, I will get to as many as possible on the show. Forgive today's meme review, guys. It's going to be a little clunkier than usual because I really want to start this one off with this yellow meme. It was act it's cracking me up over the weekend, so I want to play this one so first meme is by yellow and he goes everything is macro now all right let's listen to this. let me go let me go god damn it i didn't do nothing you fucking god burst. let me go god damn it do you know blackrock yeah you hold bitcoin yeah. blackrock is buying bitcoin <laughs> everything is macro now god damn it! <laughs> okay all right all right let me <laughs> all right let me get this other memes up here man yellow killed me that one was hilarious okay uh, i know you guys are feeling the same way on twitter everything is macro now all right so this next meme is by the btc therapist and he goes you will never get my bitcoin and this goes uh this is obviously the matrix meme where um What's his name? Mr. No, I forget. The agent, the agent's trying to get out of Morpheus's name. What's it? Whatever. Anyways, the government's trying to extract the Bitcoin seed phrase from my brain in 2040. And uh, Morpheus has the Bitcoin logo on his head. And agent, uh, what's his name? I, how am I blanking? Has the FBI on him. Okay, this next one. Shouts out to my boy Copernicus because he was trolling me on our spaces on Friday where I'm I'm recently coming around to the idea that Bitcoiners getting involved with politics, whether it's on a local level or a state level, might be an important thing moving forward. I don't know. Call me crazy. Anyways, my boy Copernicus over here, Copernicus's son, six goes uh opti he tagged a simply bitcoin account because if talking to politicians is not a waste of energy why is my asic not going burr and we got a guy talking to a brick wall and the brick wall has the white house logo on it and he's got an asic that is not burring because as you can tell it's a pun on the fact that if you are not plugging in your asics into the electrical grid you are wasting energy anyways this next meme is by the swan account and it goes you are not late to bitcoin you are an og 98 percent of adoption is ahead and we have this chart here by blockware solutions it says percentage of global population using bitcoin plus the bitcoin supply issuance and you can see here this one's actually old now but you are here guys you are still early to bitcoin i don't care what anyone says i think we're at like a what point zero 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 two percent adoption in regards to population 
you're still early, guys. It just keep stacking. Okay, this next meme is by at Wojak Bitcoin Memes, aka at Wojak Bitcoin on Twitter. And it goes, Every Bitcoiner has two moods. And we got the cool Wojak Bitcoiner over here goes, I must tell everyone I know about Bitcoin. And then we got the dark orange pilled Wojak over here that is uh, a little more nefarious. And he just smiles and smirks and goes, Have fun staying poor if you are not stacking Bitcoin. Okay, this next one is kind of a two parter. We have Bobby Shell up here. A- AKA uh, at I Bobby shell on Twitter. And it is a soprano memes and it goes Citadel, BlackRock, Fidelity, Charles Schwab. They are all um, on the gambling table and it goes, never tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking. And then the meme though is a variation by Matt Odell and it's the same meme, but the poker chips have blue check marks on it. (laughs) And on that note, we have Matt Odell here on the very last meme by at toxic Bitcoin. It goes, stay humble stack sats. And we got Matt Odell here smiling with his hat, no bugs, no pod, no blue check. And he goes, I will not wear the mask. I will not take the jab. I will not lock down i will not install the app i will not go to the camp i will not eat the bugs i will not live in a pod i will not buy the blue check i will not give up my guns i will not denounce my god i will not let you win i will stay humble and stack sat let's go all right guys you got another deal drop your meme review score in the chat wait which side is it that side drop it in the chat no wait that side drop it in the chat and we will cover it live so uh, today for my meme review score, I think I've given these all individually, but today I'm giving you a fat stack of Bitcoin mag physical zines, all of them, all of them, not in order, but it's the stack of Bitcoin zines. Okay. Nazar, what would be your meme review score for today's memes? Um, I'd say eight throwback let's go okay we're in this all right guys uh continue to drop your meme scores in the chat and i will cover them let me see i haven't updated the music yet so um i will have to update for wednesday but i don't have any music here but is this all right drum roll drum roll okay uh take wait 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 take the ride He goes, uh, my meme score is a dyslexic opti. No, Nate, it's this, this is, this is mirror or not mirrored. So it's the opposite. It's, it it gets confusing. Okay. This next one is by Elaine and she goes score Bitcoiners realize BlackRock at all. Don't want Bitcoin for freedom money. Controlling the world is in their DNA. Caution. Yes, every Bitcoiner's alarm bells are ringing in their head. Okay, this next meme is by J-Dub the Laker, 21 mil, and he goes, meme score, 10,000 degrees from the sun creating hyperinflation. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, oh, Golden Eagle wrecking me. He says the first one was bad. I won't even give it a score. What do you mean, man? What do you mean? That one was great. Okay. This next meme is by Wynikus, and his score is a hashtag free copper. If you know, you know. I know. All right. I'm getting I'm getting roasted in here because I don't have the music. All right. I'll upload it after today's show. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay. Okay, well, anyways, meme score over. Uh, you already know the deal. 
really appreciate every one of you guys. But before we go on, Nazar, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Uh, stupidly bullish, not only about what you guys are doing, I am, I'm very hopeful for your company moving forward, but also what you guys represent for Bitcoin miners and the energy grid moving forward. So continue to do what you're doing, continue to educate people and continue to get those contracts with some energy operators so that we can maintain and, you know, bring the world into the 21st century. So uh, where can people find you, Nazar? Um, they can find me. Um, drop me a line. I'm just Khan, K-H-A-N, at terrorwolf.com. Uh, Chloe is our master social media, so we're on Twitter, on um LinkedIn. And so, yeah, look, look us up anywhere. And then again, I mean, I know Carrie um, has been on here as well. And so we got a, an amazing team. And so any one of us hit us up and we're always willing to, you know, kind of talk about what we're up to. And again, thanks for having, thanks for having me on, on here. And next time I come on, I'll come up with a better score for, for the memes. Perfect. Perfect. Um, dude, doing a great job. Don't worry about the meme score. They, 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 they're okay. They're savages over there in the chat, bro. It's all right. It's all right. But kudos to you. Uh, really appreciate it. If you guys want to jump in on Twitter Spaces, we are running the Twitter Spaces right now. So if we want to continue the conversation, by all means, Nazar, we are on Twitter Spaces as well. But thank you for coming out. I'm going to put you behind the scenes so I can roll this one out. All right, guys, you already know the deal. We are not only on YouTube, we are also on all of your favorite audio platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple. We are a part of the Valley for Valley Economy on Fountain. We appreciate all the support you guys give us. It uh, means a lot to us. And just continue to spread all the Bitcoin signal. That's the most important thing to do. As you can tell, we are in an uphill battle to educate the world, educate the masses, and of course, educate influential people that are doing things because Bitcoiners build and we are changing the world. So stay tuned. We will be back next week. I'm sure Nico will be back for the full show tomorrow. So we'll be back to our normally scheduled show. And of course, join us on Twitter in Twitter spaces. We are going till 2 p.m. live or 2 p.m. Eastern. And um, we're going to be there right now. So peace out, guys. Until next time, this is Simply Bitcoin. And we are out. Peace out. the bitcoin signal so come up here add your two sats to the conversation all right guys I, I see there's a few people coming up so one second one second let me make sure that this is ended live on youtube okay we're done 